let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to Him. Welcome to worship. I'm Pastor Jason. It is such a joy to welcome you to this online worship experience from Schweitzer. We are so glad that you're here. If this is your first time worshiping with us, we encourage you to fill out the Connect card. Let us know that you're here. We've got a gift that we'd love to send to you. If you've been worshiping with us for a long time, we'd encourage you to fill out the connection card and then go to sumc.co slash next. There's great ways for you to connect with Schweitzer and take more steps growing in your faith. In just a moment, we're going to enter into worship with some music. We're going to have a great message from Pastor Spencer, and we're going to get to pray together for our community. But right now, Stephanie's got some ways that we can take a next step in our faith through Schweitzer. So let's take a listen. Hi, I'm Stephanie. We are so glad that you're joining us today. As more and more people return to in-person worship at Schweitzer, we're changing up the way that we're doing check-in for our guests. On the pew in front of you, you'll find a QR code that you can scan with most smartphone cameras. This will take you directly to our sumc.co slash next page where you can check in. Our sumc.co slash next page and our Church Center app are great resources for you, whether you're here in person or online. On the app or on the site, you can check into groups and weekly services, sign up for events, and even give online. Remember, that's sumc.co slash next or our Church Center app. We had a blast hosting neighborhood block parties for VBS last summer, and we are gearing up for even more fun this year. We'd love for you to join us in our confidence building theme and press play on hosting a VBS block party in your neighborhood this year. This is a great way to connect with people right in your own front yard, and we'll give you all the resources. If you're interested, find out more at sumc.co slash next. We have one more thing to share this week, and I'm going to let our pastors tell you more. Hello, Schweitzer. I'm Pastor Jason with Pastor Spencer and Pastor Jim. And today we want to invite you and share with you a little bit about an event taking place May 1st called Go Global, brought to us by the Wesleyan Covenant Association. It's an event that is centered around worship, uh, mission of the church and revitalization of the Methodist churches around the globe. And it's an event coming up. It's going to be held globally, happening out of Alabama, but also on the Schweitzer campus. We're going to host a telecast site. We'd like for you to be involved. So I've been a part of the Wesley Covenant Association since 2016 when it formed and been to several events over those years. And, and as I've attended those events, participating with the Wesley Covenant Association, this has been an incredibly helpful tool for me to navigate our denomination and the conflict that we face as United Methodists. And so we wanted to bring this to Schweitzer to help all of our church family have a renewed vision for what it is that God can do through us as a global um, movement of, of the church. And so we wanted to invite you to attend as well, to navigate through and to dream about what God could do through us as we're connected with believers across the world for the mission of Christ. We look forward to seeing what God will do through this event on May 1st. Register at SUNC.co. See you then. Thanks, Stephanie. If you're worshiping with us live, we encourage you to 
Say hello in the chat feature. If you'd like prayer, there's somebody in the prayer room who'd be happy to pray with you. Now, let's enter into worship.
In this exponential series, we've been looking at the reality that Jesus says there's a place for all of us in the kingdom of heaven, uh, in the work that God has set before us. In our prayer time today, I'd like to share with us and invite you to pray along with me a prayer that's called a liturgy for the labors of community. This prayer expresses the reality that there's something that we are responsible for in God's work in the world around us and that God wants to work in and through us. So I invite you to pray with me this morning. I'll say some words and there'll be words that come up on the screen for you to pray along as well. Our lives are so small, O Lord. Our vision is so limited. Our courage so frail. Our hours so fleeting. Therefore, give us grace and guidance for the journey ahead. We are gathered here because we believe that we are called together into a work we cannot yet know the fullness of. Still we trust the voice of the one who has called us. And so we offer to you, O God, these things, our dreams, our plans, our vision. Shape them as you will, our moments and our gifts. May they be invested toward bright, eternal ends. Richly bless the work before us, Father. Shepherd us well, lest we grow enamored of our own accomplishment or entrenched in old habit. Instead, let us listen for your voice, our hearts ever open to the quiet beckonings of your spirit in this endeavor. Let us in true humility and poverty of spirit remain ever ready to move at the impulse of your love in paths of your design. You alone, O God, by your gracious and life-giving spirit, have power to knit our imperfect hearts, our weaknesses, our strengths, our stories, and our gifts one to another. Unite your people and multiply our meager offerings, O Lord, that all might resound to your glory. O Spirit of God, now shape our hearts. O Spirit of God, now guide our hands. O Spirit of God, now build your kingdom among us.
And now let us together say with one voice the prayer Jesus taught us when he said, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, on the Schweitzer campus, there's a neighborhood garden. It's called the East Stanford Neighborhood Garden. It was started six years ago because of the generosity of Schweitzer and because of the vision that there ought to be a place where people in the community could connect, could grow things for their own table and could bless the world because they were growing in fellowship with one another. That's all made possible because people have been generous. There has been a bevy of activity. All kinds of great things have been happening this the past couple of weeks. It's been really exciting to see this ministry continue to take place and continue to touch lives. And it's all made possible because people like you are generous and thankful and they are participating with God in God's mission to this world. You can give today by going to sumc.co slash give. And now let's continue in our worship. seems so tall and you realize that life's not always fair you can run away and hide let the old man decide or you can change your circumstances with a prayer when everything falls apart praise his name Just raise your hands and 
Friends, welcome today. My name is Spencer, and this is part two of a series. We're on a short series called Exponential. As, as we're reading through a, a teaching that Jesus gives about, about leadership and making a difference, and this is really comes from something that's deeply rooted in, in what I believe about the church, what I believe about us, and something I, I preach on quite a bit is, is I believe just deeply to my core that God has a call for all of us that he wants to use us for his purpose, that he wants us to, to make a difference in the world, that, that he wants us to share the gospel and to, and to move the needle in people's lives. He's given us gifts, abilities, opportunities to make a difference. And so we're talking about that um, in this series. But at the same time, I'll just be honest with you, from my own, from my own life, uh, you know, sometimes I don't live into that calling. I don't, I don't live into the, the thing that God wants for me to do and I get distracted or, or I, I become afraid or there's all kinds of things that, co- that just come in the way. And really this series is about those things that, that get in the way of, of us living into the call that God has for us. So we're spending three weeks reading from Matthew 13 where Jesus has this teaching of, of really exactly that, of, of things that get in the way. And so we're gonna get into Matthew 13, reading the same passage read from last week. And here's what Jesus teaches. Matthew 13, verse one. It says, that same day, Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables saying, a farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil is shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. Whoever has ears, let them hear. Now we're going to skip a few verses, and, and, and later in this chapter, Jesus explains this parable, and here's what he says. Listen then to the, what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears this message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the uh, evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. The seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. I want you to pay attention to the last line here. 160 or 30 times what was sown. There is a kind of person 
who, who has experienced this work of God in their life that spreads out into the world 160, 30 times what was sown into them. They produce this crop with their life that is 160, 30 times what was sown. This is why we're calling this series Exponential is that we might become these kinds of people who have this reach that is 160, 30 times um, ourselves. And, and if you're paying attention as we read through here, you'll notice that Jesus doesn't tell us how to become these kinds of people. He doesn't tell us what to do. Instead, he tells us what not to do. Three things he mentioned, three places where the seed falls on places where you do not become a 160 or 30 time kind of kind of person. And so in the series, we're exploring these. This is the second of our three weeks. And so here's the second place that Jesus said the seed falls that just will not produce this kind of, kind of result. So in verse uh, five, Jesus said this, this is the second place. He said, some fell, some seed fell on rocky places where it did not have much, spo- uh, much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. And then if you skip uh, to verses 20 and 21, Jesus explains what this means. And he says, the seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. So there is a a kind of person who uh, is a rocky soil kind of person, a person who has no roots. And when the sun comes out and when it, when it gets hot, when it's, when, when they wither away, they, they shrink because they, they don't have the roots to, to withstand this, a rocky soil kind of person who, who falls away. And, and, and as we think about this, uh, I mean, unless you're like brand new to church, we've all seen this kind of, this kind of person. Some of us have probably been this kind of person where maybe if you, if you've seen this before, you know, someone shows up to church, maybe it's like for the first time they're exploring faith. And maybe you've seen this, like they're so excited about what church is and what God is doing. They're like always here when the doors are open. And then like you see them, they're always here and super engaged. And then like at three months later, you're thinking to yourself, where? Where'd they go? They fell away. This is like a rocky soil kind of person. They, they fell away. But, but there's a, there's a tendency among us to, to think about the rocky soil kind of person, kind of like, like the, those folks who, who maybe get real excited real quick and then they fall away real fast. But, but really what Jesus is talking about is much deeper than just that kind of scenario. There's, there's all kinds of layers here. So that even if you are somebody who has been in the church for thick and thin for 50 years, you still have a capacity to be a rocky soil kind of person. We all have the capacity to be a rocky soil kind of person because this is not just about somebody who loses their enthusiasm. This is about something deeper than that. And really to to go deeper, we need to think about the things that Jesus said get in the way. And so he said specifically two two things will cause someone to, to go into this rocky soil kind of life where you don't live into 160, 30 time kind of difference making. And so the two things that Jesus specifically said in this, in this place was this, um, trouble or persecution. So let's talk about those two words here, trouble or persecution. Let's start with trouble. Now, trouble, of course, is a super broad word. I mean, trouble is, is just this big encompassing um, idea. And, and in, the, in the Bible, which was originally written in Greek, not in English, the, the word that we translated as trouble, um, originally in the Greek, like it literally means to squash or to press or to crush, which I think is just an incredible description uh, of what life is like sometimes. Because sometimes life is crushing and, and sometimes, sometimes life is crushing because you make a decision that has just terrible consequences that come to it. You make a bad decision and there's 
bad consequences that come with it. And it, life is crushing because of this. And some of you could testify to this, that you have reaped what you've sown and there, have been, there has been trouble that has come into your life and been crushing because of bad choices you've made. Sometimes though, this, this trouble, this crushing comes because someone else makes a bad choice that has bad consequences on other people. And so some of you can testify that, that you have had someone else make bad choices that have impacted you or someone you love. And now you're, there's this trouble. There's this, this, this crushing, these consequences that come because someone else made a bad choice. Or sometimes life is crushing just because life is crushing. Things get out of control and you can't control these things. You didn't cause these things. It's just things that have happened. There's a, a grief or there's a diagnosis. There's, there's, there's a disaster. There's a, there's a pandemic. There's all these things that come at you that aren't even something you caused. And, and this trouble, this, this crushing can come and it just, it makes us lose control. And, and here's the thing. Um, the Bible never promises us that we would be free from this kind of trouble, this crushing. In fact, the Bible says that we should come to expect this. This is part of life. Sooner or later, all of us experience the crushing that comes with just life. I mean, I think about what Jesus says in John chapter 16. He says, in this world, you will have trouble. You'll be crushed. Don't, don't expect otherwise. This is what happens is just simply living in this world. So you'll experience this. But then he says, but take heart because I've overcome the world. So even though Jesus has overcome the world, still we should expect that trouble, this crushing that comes to us from our own choices, from other people's choices, from, from just life in general, just, just comes at us. This, this is part of what life is and we should come to expect that. Jesus then also talked about persecution. So trouble and persecution. And, uh, this, this, this persecution, he also, he said this specifically. It wasn't just persecution in general. He had a very specific thing that he said here is persecution because of the word, because of the gospel, persecution because of our faith in Christ. And just like with trouble, this is again something the Bible says that we should come to expect. There is no promise in the Bible that we would be spared from persecution. In fact, the exact opposite is promised in the Bible. In 2 Timothy, listen to this, chapter 3, verse 2. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will, not might or maybe or who knows what, but will suffer persecution. Whoever wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. This is what the Bible promises us, is that this is something we should expect. Now, of course, when I say the word persecution, probably a lot of us, we think about, you know, what happened to the early Christians, how how some of the early Christians were, were persecuted in, in ancient Rome, and some of them were were burned alive in Nero's gardens in order to light his gardens at night, or some of them had to fight lions in the Colosseum, or or maybe we think about the the awful things that happen around the world today still, because still there are many, many places around the world where violent persecution is still taking place. In fact, it's been pretty well documented that that in the last hundred years, in the 20th century, more Christians were martyred for their faith. They were killed than in the 19 centuries combined that preceded this. Like persecution is still a reality for so many of our brothers and sisters across the world. This is something that still happens. One of the worst places in the world for persecution today is North Korea. And what's astounding is that in South Korea, there's a sizable Christian population and, and it's not uncommon for South Korean Christians to 
to feel God calling them to go north and, and, and be a missionary. And so they'll sneak into North Korea, bring in Bibles or other literature, and, and they'll share the gospel with people. And oftentimes when they're, when they're caught, they're sent to hard labor where, where eventually they'll be killed. Like this is a reality for so many people still today, this, this persecution. And, and, and though I want to say this though, like you think about persecution, like we think about it usually in terms of like this violent persecution that takes place. And we certainly don't want to belittle the plight of, of so many people around the world. But at the same time, we should also understand that persecution doesn't have to be violent. Like we're talking about just this persecution that comes at us. Uh, this, this is really just in a, in a general sense, really just the ways that we experience people resisting um, us because of, uh, of faith. This is in a general sense what persecution is. So even in a nation like ours, with all of the liberty we have, there's still persecution. I mean, it's not going to be violent. You're not going to lose your life. You're, you're not going to have a, a government-sanctioned kind of persecution like you might have in Rome or North Korea uh, today. But, but you're, you're still going to have these places where persecution comes up. And this is one of those promises of the Bible. I mean, I think, for instance, about, you know, maybe a family gathering where there's snide comments and cynicism about someone who, who recently found the Lord in their life. Like there's this way of trying to, to shame someone, maybe in this family gathering. Like that's not violent, but just think about the resistance that's trying to be had towards that person's faith. That's, that's persecution. Or I think about how um, in, in a lot of places in the news, there are just these broad strokes that Christians get painted with as if, as if all Christians are fanatics and blow up abortion clinics or a white supremacist or anything like that and, and just have this like broad stroke way of talking about Christians and you're left thinking to yourself, that's not us in the slightest bit, but there's this way of trying to paint people with a certain picture. Or I think about just in our culture, let's just be honest. In our culture, there is tremendous pressure, especially around uh areas of, of sexuality and the family. And, and if you're going to hold to like biblical teaching, there's all kinds of words that our culture is, is going to come to to call you in, in, in this. Recently, I heard someone say that certain parts of the Bible were hate speech. I mean, this is a, a reality. So yes, there's not going to be violent persecution coming at us, but this is still something that we should come to expect that there is going to be this sense of resistance to us. And so Jesus talked about trouble or persecution. These are the things that when rocky soil kind of people come to encounter them, that, that they begin to, to wither. Trouble or persecution. Times where life will be crushing. Times when, when there will be resistance to our faith. Times when, when things aren't going to go easy for us. And this is really getting to a deeper point about, uh, about what this rocky soil is really about, because it's not just about people who drift away from the church. In fact, you can be still committed to the church. You can still be here every Sunday and, and, and have this tendency to rocky soil kind of faith because it's not really necessarily about drifting. It's, it's more about this bigger question of will you still be faithful? Will you still be obedient when life is hard? When, when the difficult choice is in front of you, when it would be easier not to, when there's culture pressure, when there's people around you pushing you, when life is difficult, will you choose to be obedient even then? That's really the question of, of this rocky soil. When life is hard, will you still be obedient? Because it's easy to be obedient to the teaching of the gospel, to Christ when life is easy, because there will be times, of course, when when it's rewarding and, and it's, it brings you satisfaction and joy to follow Christ. But then there's going to be other times when it's difficult 
And the choice to have faith and the choice to follow the Lord and the choice to put him first in your life is going to cause all kinds of struggle, all kinds of angst, all kinds of difficulty. So when that happens, what will you do then? And this is something that people who make the 160, 30 time kind of difference in their life, the people who have this exponential increase, this is something they understand is that my obedience to the Lord can't be conditional on how easy it is. It can't be conditional on the circumstances that surround me. My, my obedience to the Lord has to be something that's, that is true no matter what is happening with us. Something that 160 or 30 time kind of people understand is that, is that Jesus has to be Lord of my life all the time. On good days and bad days, on easy choices and hard choices, Jesus has to be Lord of my life always. So let me give you a practical example of this, kind of this rocky soil kind of thinking in action to wrap our minds around this. And, and to frame this, I'm going to give you an example that I could have chosen from like a hundred different things, but I'm going to choose this example because I think, I think it's like a front of mind issue for a lot of us. And it's just, to me, it's just crystal clear what this rocky soil kind of thinking starts to look like in action. So here's my example, and we're going to talk about money. And I know that some of you just checked out, right? And I said that, ah, the preacher can talk about money. But we're gonna talk about money because I think this is a, just a crystal clear example of what rocky soil thinking begins to look like, this choice to be faithful even when it's hard. So in our church, it's no secret, we talk about tithing. I teach on tithing, we talk about tithing. My wife and I, we tithe. It's been a practice that we've had for years and it has caused sacrifice. I mean, there's times where we've had to set off purchases or not go on certain vacations, things that we've had to change in our life in order to still fulfill um, this thing that we feel like God is calling us to do. And so we talk about this openly. And, and one of the things that I've been really surprised by, just in my work in general, is how often people wanna talk to me about tithing. Like I, I, I always thought to myself, like this is one of those things that we kind of like don't want to talk about and kind of push aside, but you would be shocked by how many people like pull me aside and want to have one-on-one -on -one conversations about tithing of all things. Like it happens so much more than I, than I thought it would. And, and some of those, like those conversations, I mean, they go, they go like this, like where, where I've had these conversations and people are talking to me. Not one time has anyone ever pulled me aside and be like, Hey, Spencer, uh, I just started tithing and that was a big mistake. <laughs> Terrible mistake, huge mistake, huge mistake. Can I, can I get the money back? Could, could, could I get, get that money back? I've never had anyone ever approach me with that kind of, that kind of uh, thing at all, but, but rather I've had a lot of people, oh my gosh, so many people stop me, pull me aside, one-on-one -on -one conversations, and they talk to me about the choices they've had to make in order to get to a tithe. I mean, people tell me like, you know what? We had to really restructure our household budget or we, we had to set aside for, for we're not gonna purchase this or we, we had to pay down a lot of debt in order to get to this goal or, or it took us a long time and we just like stair-stepped at 1% at a time a year to, to get there because we felt like God was doing this. And I've heard so many people, I mean, story after story of people who have pulled me aside and talked to me about this, about how rewarding it is. And I think it's rewarding because like this is something God tells us to do. And while it's not easy, and there's certainly be easier not to do this, like there's, there's this blessing in being obedient even when it's hard. Now, I've also had a lot of people pull me aside for these one-on-ones about tithing, and I've had a lot of people tell me things like, like this. It's like, you know, Spencer, I, I want to tithe, but you know what? Man, money's just tight right now. 
Or, or I want to tithe, but you know what? We're going to get till our kids are out of school because we've got to save for college. Or, you know, I'd like, I want to tithe. We've got this debt. I don't know how to, we're going to go about this. So it's, we're not going to give anything away until we get totally rid of this debt until we can, we can get there. And, and I, listen, I totally get it. I have had many, many people pull me aside for those kind of conversations. And I fully understand what you're getting at. But you should also know that when you're saying that, like, I'm going to tithe, you know, when, when that kind of circumstance is right, what you're, what you're really saying is I'm going to tithe when, when it gets easier. I'm going to be obedient to what God wants from me when the conditions are easier. I'm going to be obedient when, when it doesn't cost as much. I'm going to, I'm going to be obedient then. And, and you should know, like, when we start to make those comparisons, start to think in those kinds of ways, that's rocky soil kind of thinking. It's rocky soil kind of thinking because it's, it's saying, you know what, I will be faithful. I will follow what the Lord teaches me uh, when it's not so hard. When, it, when it's a lot easier to do, that's when, that's when I'll do this. That, that's when I'll go forward. And I, I chose tithing, but listen, I could have chosen a hundred different things. I mean, we could have talked about sharing our faith. We could have talked about, I've known people who want to go on mission trips or volunteer in the church or, or people who, who want to, you know, start different ministries and they, they have this like dream, this thing that God is stirring in them. But then they're like, you know, but, you know, there's this problem or that problem. I don't have enough time. I don't know what I would say or what if it's awkward? Or what if I fail? And that's it, like, I, I totally get what you're saying. But each one of those examples is, is rocky soil kind of thinking. Like, I'm going to be faithful when it's easier. I'm going to be faithful when it doesn't cost me as much. I'm going to be obedient when, when the choice is easy. That is rocky soil kind of thinking. But people who live in this 160 or 30 time kind of difference, what they understand is that our obedience can't be conditional. That even when it's difficult, even when it costs us, even when it would be so much easier not to because there's pressure coming at us from other people or there's just a difficult choice we have to make that we have to choose to be obedient no matter what the conditions are. It reminds me of what Jesus said, Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life will, for me will find it. Like the whole idea of discipleship is that we would follow Christ no matter what the conditions might be. And certainly we can have a rocky soil kind of faith that when trouble or persecution, when pressure or difficult times come at us, that we fall away. But the folks who make this 160 or 30 time kind of difference this crop that spreads so much beyond them, they understand that obedience to the Lord cannot be conditional. That Jesus has to be Lord of all of our life. Not just Lord of the good times, not just Lord of the easy decisions, not just Lord of the things that make us feel good, but he has to be Lord of the dark times and the difficult times and the difficult decisions to be obedient even when it hurts. This is the kind of lifestyle that yields a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. And so today, let me encourage you. I mean, we're all going to face trouble. We're all going to face persecution. This is something that we should all come to expect. But when we can learn to live obedient lives, even when it's difficult and it costs us, God is going to use that to spread a crop, to spread a harvest, to spread something beyond ourselves that's so much bigger than we could ever imagine. It's an exponential kind of life that we're living at that point. Let's pray together.
And so Father, today we give you thanks that you uh, call us your sons and your daughters, that you've given us this new life in Christ to live as your forgiven children, that you call us uh, just your children, that you love us that much. And, and we are all gonna face, we just confess this, we're all gonna face trouble. Some of us are facing crushing circumstances right now. We're all gonna face persecution, the different places and ch- challenges of, of folks resisting us and feeling uh, like, we're, like we're being put aside. And, and in all of these times and trouble and persecution, there is this temptation to only be faithful when it's easy, to only be faithful, to only be obedient, when, it's, when, it, when, it's, when there's no challenges around us. And God, I just wanna pray for our church that you would give us courage that no matter what the circumstances might look like, that we would be obedient to what you call us to do. And as we choose obedience, even in difficult times, we know that you're gonna spread this, this crop, this harvest that's so much beyond us, 160, 30 times what was sown, that our life is gonna spread and impact and, and we are gonna live into the calling that you have for us. Would you give us courage today to be faithful in obedience, no conditions, not when it's easy, but also when it's hard, that we might follow you faithfully all our life. In the name of Jesus, who is the Lord of all of our life, we pray, amen. Thanks for joining us in worship. We wanna say a special thank you to those people behind the scenes, Alec, Taylor, and Jen, who helped make this experience possible. We also wanna say thank you to Stephanie for letting us know ways we can connect and grow in our faith here at Schweitzer. To KJ and to Mary Bernard who helped lead us in worship, a big thanks. And to Spencer for opening up the Word of God and showing us a message of hope from the Scriptures. Thank you so much. If this message has blessed you today, if you know somebody who needs a word of hope, we encourage you to like and share this message with those around you. I'm Pastor Jason. It's been a great joy to be with you. We'd love to know how God is moving in your life. And now... Have a great week. We will see you again very soon. God bless.